0: So last time we were together in the book of Romans, which is where we're going to be today, we're going to continue and finish our look at Romans chapter 6. At the beginning of the chapter, Paul began by asking a question, should we therefore sin? Uh, Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And of course the answer was no. It's, It's virtually a rhetorical question, but it is one that does have uh, a need to be answered, because there is this understanding that if grace is pervasive, if grace covers all of our sin, and and, and there's security in, in our relationship with God because of grace in this, and in fact, grace becomes the way that God demonstrates uh, his capacity to Um, overcome sin and this kind of thing? Should we sin more to give God more opportunity to demonstrate the greatness of his grace? Well, the answer is no. Of course, we should not do that. And continuing on that thought today, Paul continues in verse 15 and says, What then are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Once again, God forbid, no way. Should never be thinking this way. Uh, point to be making. Um, Not only should we theoretically, theologically understand that there's really no justifying going ahead in sin so that you might give God's grace a chance to really shine. Um, That's kind of a ridiculous perspective to take. Well, Paul kind of further drives that point home by saying, you know, there was a time when you were slaves to sin. When you were hopelessly slaves to sin, when you were literally slaves without hope, because sin, uh, uh, the wages of which are death, ultimately was leading you to a life that was destroyed, separation from God, all this kind of thing. But then grace appeared, and then Christ came and died for our sins, and the grace of God was shed abroad, not only theologically, theoretically, and, and is what I mean really by that, but also truly shed abroad in our hearts. We ultimately now. Are new creations in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, not only do we in our thinking understand that we shouldn't entertain sin or practice for the sake of giving grace a chance to really shine, but also we should recognize the position that we once were but now are, something we spoke about earlier. We once were one thing under Adam, under his federal headship, now we are under Christ and free because of that. Well, the concept of of that difference and that change and that moving from one thing to another carries over into this discussion as well. We were slaves to sin, now we are slaves to righteousness. The idea of a slave um, in, uh, in the New Testament, and of course in the, the Greek culture there, uh, 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 would and even the Roman culture, would speak of a couple of things. One was a slave who had no choice but to be enslaved because he had a debt to pay, uh, or something like that, but there was also something known as a bond slave, somebody who maybe started with a debt that they had to pay off, but once that was paid off and they realized that they actually loved their master, maybe they were even prospering under their master, they voluntarily became a slave or a bond slave to that master uh, this is uh, the the uh, the, um, the act that was done to sort of codify that commitment. Was where they would take an awl and they uh, and they would puncture a hole in the ear of the bond servant who had voluntarily now uh, uh, decided he wanted to stay with that master. Uh, they put that hole in the ear. They put an earring in there that signified who that slave had become a bond slave to. And this was uh, this is certainly gives a, a lot of understanding then to when Paul calls himself a bond slave of Christ. Nobody has to follow Jesus. People choose to follow Jesus. People respond to the invitation to come and believe and to follow Christ. But no one is forced to do that. And so therefore, the idea of a bond slave is very fitting because it is our response to the recognition of this master that we love. We want to be uh, known as his. We want people to be able to look, as it were, at the earring. You know, it's not a literal earring in in, in play in our case. Uh, But they want to be able to see in us uh, our actions, our worlds, our worldview, and this kind of thing, that we belong to him. Now, this is also very close to the idea of the definition of a disciple, too, but the bond slave is a particular idea. That is, I am choosing that I love this master and I want to be committed to him voluntarily for the rest of my life. And so, that's the idea here that is kind of at the center of this discussion in the rest of Paul's writing here. You were once slaves to sin. You were obedient to it because you really had no choice. You were slaves in the truest sense of the term. But now you are, the word bond slave is not necessarily the the word that is coming to the fore here. The same word slave is used. But we understand in the teaching of the New Testament that at this point now, we are leaving behind the old for the sake of gladly embracing the new. And so we have a new master, no longer uh, sin, but now Christ is our master, and therefore we are slaves to righteousness. Because the old man has died, and all things have now become new, again, borrowing from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are his now. And that's a good thing. And because we're his, we no longer want to entertain sin. Um. Some have seen in the uh, in the two times that this similar question is asked, the first in verse uh, one, shall we therefore continue in sin that grace may abound? And in this discussion, are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Some have seen this second approach of the question as being a little bit different. Um, this one is more, seems, on at least it's it's understood by some to be speaking more to the idea that, no, I'm not going to run headlong into sin and that kind of thing, but if I do sort of just get laxed in a way, is that a big deal? Because after all, there's grace. Now I don't know for sure that that's what Paul is saying, but it does raise an interesting question. If it is, it's certainly a question that we ought to wrestle with. You know, if if it's one thing to say that I'm going to run into sin in order to give God's grace a chance to you know to be seen, it's another thing to say, well, I want to walk with the Lord, but sometimes I just am. Um, you know, I just don't have it in me and I feel like just giving in once in a while or something. I just feel like maybe having sort of a casual approach to sin. I'm not a lover of sin wanting to run after it, but on the other hand, it's like, well, there's grace. It's not that big of a deal. I would suggest that that really ought not be our mindset at all, uh, any more than we would say that we love somebody, but then we sort of go off on them once in a while or something like that, because I just, you know, uh, I know I've made the commitment. I'm really yours, but you know, it's no, 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 no. When you love somebody, when you're committed to somebody, you are gladly, voluntarily tying to them and wanting to live a life that pleases them, blesses them, honors them, this kind of thing. And this is the underlying thinking that should reside in the heart of a believer who truly understands what it means to have been bought and paid for by the by the, the blood of Christ and has now received the grace of God that comes with it. Um... There is also mentioned here the idea that we are free from that bondage now. In Christ, because of grace, we're no longer slaves to sin. Uh, In other words, in a way that we never could before, we are able to resist sin to the point of, 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 of avoiding when those temptations come and walking in the power of the Spirit, walking in the freedom of grace that is given to us in Christ. In other words, grace is not a license to sin. It actually gives us the power to turn away from sin. Uh, grace is something that gives us a, pla- a basis to express incredible gratitude for the freedom that we've now received, and it also is the gateway to experiencing the power of God to not fall into those things, to not go after that stuff, to think entirely differently about sin, and 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 to recognize how it had enslaved us once before, and and now this grace gives us the power to run away from that which enslaved us previously. And now instead we are gladly uh, slaves of righteousness and of Christ. Um, the Christian faith, as I'm very, very fond of saying, and really as I think about it more and more nowadays, I realize what a central feature to my own approach to what I, what I think my calling in ministry is in, in regard to Bible teaching and talking about grace and all of these things is to bring an encouragement to truly love Jesus. Not just make sure we're doing the right things as believers, but to love the person of Christ. Uh, to recognize that our Christian faith is a relationship with a person, not just a relationship with a, with a, a sort of dry, not, that's really a wrong way to put it, but not just our relationship, so to speak, with a, a theology short of knowing the person. In other words, this shouldn't be an either-or proposition. It should be a both-and. Theology, if properly understood and 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 digested, will lead to doxology. will you know, will lead to worship and a love relationship with the object and the 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 very person at the heart of and the focus of that theology. Uh, it's really not terribly um, uh, different than when Jesus told the Pharisees that you know they studied the scriptures because they think that in them they have eternal life. But it's they that speak of me. In other words, you you know the theology kind of, at least, I mean, they were wrong in many ways, but they had all this theology, but they missed the point of it. Well, I I would suggest that we can do the same thing as believers. We might have a really sound theology, but never really come to the point of loving the Savior who's at the heart of it and who's the object of it. And so when we do, it finds its way out in our lifestyles, and our speech, again, our worldviews. We become fundamentally differently focused, and gladly so when we know and love the person of Christ. And so questions like, well, is it okay to be laxed in my sin? Or should I run into sin for grace's sake to be shown? Um, these are questions that, um, you know, Paul is answering here to the Romans because they needed to be answered. But the mature believer doesn't need to even be dancing anywhere around those questions. Like, we are way on the other side, walking with the Lord, without any real thought about, you know, how close can I get to the line? Or is it Okay. Yeah it's true i mean i'm i'm saved by grace nothing will remove me and snatch me out of his hands and all this uh, all things are lawful for me but i do recognize that not all things edify and i won't be brought under the uh under the well slavery really i won't be brought under the power or control of any of them and so that that's these are kind of the the things that are that are under the surface of this discussion and question here uh, and so again, i you going to jump back in in verse 19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, but just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to, your, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. In other words, running after sin led to more sin, but running after righteousness leads to further separation unto God and therefore away from those sinful things. Now that's important because as he says here in the finishing of the passage, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? In other words, you were free from having to live a right life and everything. So if you're wrestling with the idea of it really not being any fun, or it's difficult to have to live for righteousness' sake, for Christ's sake, um, what benefit did it really bring you, Paul is saying? You know, you're. It's in a way, it's almost like the Israelites looking back to Egypt and longing for the, the garlics and the, uh, the 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 good things that they feel like they experienced there, all the while forgetting the enslaving part, the part that they were under the whip of the the taskmaster and they were slaves without freedom of autonomy or anything like this. They were unable to, uh, get out from under that taskmaster until God delivered them, and that's the point. They were delivered. So why look back to that which enslaved and not instead look ahead to all that comes with belonging to the Lord? And so that's essentially a, the kind of question that Paul's asking here. What you know, what, what fruit were you getting at the time when uh, of these things of which you're now ashamed? For In other words, they're ashamed because that's what their lives used to be. But yet there's the question is, do I want to go back to any of that? Well, what benefit was there? Why would you go back to that? If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, why go after something less? For the end of those things is death. That's why this is so important. Those things lead to destruction. They lead to the demise. They lead to downfall. They lead to death. Um, But now that you have been set free from sin, no one's going to say it better than Paul. Certainly he'll say it better than I will. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that that, uh, uh, that you get leads to sanctification. Again, further separating to him. And in its end, eternal life. So the complete opposite of where we were once going before, in sin, we are now going to everlasting life. We're going to live because we are now slaves of God, slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness. Why would we ever want to go back to that which led to death? Why not instead run headlong into that which brings life? For the wages of sin is death. We all know this verse. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if him is life and life to the full, why would we go after that which ultimately brings just death? Even as believers, sure, we could uh, enjoy the season of sin in that and still be secure in the hands of Christ, but why? I mean, if if, if the longing for those things is more enticing than what comes with a relationship with God, not just later in heaven, but even now, in terms of the richness of that relationship, we really have to question where we are. You know, why why is it that that's so appealing to me at the expense of the fullness of Christ? Um, those are good things for us to wrestle with. Those are hard questions to ask ourselves because, if those are the questions that we wrestle with, and if indeed there is a draw to that old lifestyle or the sins that we uh, enjoyed in our past and our our foolishness in that that led to death, if there is still a draw to those things, then there is still room to mature in Christ. There is still room to explore the depth of the riches of the person of Jesus himself. There is still opportunity to draw close, come beyond the veil and enjoy the mercy and the grace at the throne of grace. Um, There is much more yet to be gleaned from the very person himself. We're going after the stuff but rather, he wants us to come after the substance. He wants us to come after that which is genuine and real and life giving. And that's the person of Jesus himself. So, Paul makes a really, really important, not a terribly difficult to understand, but a very, very important point and topic here in this discussion about being truly separate from that which brings death and instead drawing closer and closer to Jesus. Paul himself would have grown to such maturity at one point in the book of Philippians. While he's in jail, he says, Oh, that I might know him, or Christ. Uh, Being conformed to his death, enjoying the power of his resurrection, whatever it takes, I just want to know him and to know him more. Well, that is a great, great encouragement for us. So let's pray that this is our deep desire and that God would work that out in us and, and just bring us to that place. Of true full enjoyment of 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 the person of Christ, Father, we do ask that. We recognize that so often we sort of look back to Egypt, as it were, and think of just the good things that we sort of enjoyed, and forget all about the fact that we were enslaved, and that we we're on the path to death. But Lord, you've delivered us from that, and put our feet on a rock. You have delivered us and washed away our sin as far as the east is from the west. You've brought us away from such a place and have set our feet now upon a rock. You've made us new creations in Christ where old things pass away and old things become new. So we pray that we'd walk in that newness of life, that we would enjoy the person of Jesus himself and not just settle for um, sort of having a, a you know a clinically correct faith, but still not really enjoy the power of it that comes with walking with him personally uh, we pray, Lord, that you would give us the power to turn away from those sins that so easily beset us. And we'd cast off instead, or cast those things off, and instead embrace the yoke of Christ that is easy and, and that burden that is light. Father, we just thank you for all of the goodness and grace that you have poured out upon us. We pray that our lives would be reflections of your grace toward us and that we'd bring you glory in what we say, in what we do, in what we think, in what we believe, in every area and facet of life. We want to be fully given over to you, and we want you to fill all of this within us so that nothing remains to be drawn to the old life or the sins that temptations of this world offers, but instead to be looking eyes full on, gazing upon the beauty of our Christ. Thank you, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining again as we've been making our way through the Book of Romans. As you know, we go through a number of different studies and topics and different things that we talk about here on this channel, but I always like to to, to spend a good season in the Word of God there, going verse by verse through a a book of the Bible, learning about the, the nature of God, His acts, His character, and all of these things, the person of Jesus being fixed right there in the middle of it all, and no better book than the book of Romans for that. So, all right, well, praise the Lord. Thanks for joining in, and we will look forward to catching up with you next time. If you have any thoughts, questions, or anything like that, you're always welcome to leave them in the comments section below. Uh, If you would like to uh, go to my website at parsonspad.com, you can also watch these videos there, and you can email me from there as well. You can also subscribe to the audio version of the podcast. Or, if you like you can go to our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can learn about us as a fellowship. You can see some of these same videos there. And you can certainly find out you know where we're meeting, the address and everything, because we'd love to have you come join us some Sunday morning as we go through the Word together and as we worship. would love to have you join the family. So God bless you. Thanks again for watching, and we'll catch up with you next time. God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace forever. Amen.